You're listening to the TV Obsessive channel, presented by tvobsessive.com. Okay, welcome back to episode 17 of the TV Obsessive podcast. So I'm Cameron Crane, the executive editor for tvobsessive.com. I'm joined here by Ryan Kirksey, writer and contributor for the site. How are you doing today, Ryan? I am doing really, really well. I am looking forward to today's episode of television. We are going to talk about one of my favorites. It made me wonder, have you ever been stranded out in a desert? Um, I've never even been in a desert. Have you even been I, in a desert no, no, I have no desert experience. <laughs> I do wonder. I like I honestly I watch some of these scenes in Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, and I think like well, I'd be dead. Like, yeah. like fast, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, I, I like if I was wondering, is this at all plausible? Yeah, what's the we will obviously spoil this, but in Better Call Saul, there's the episode where Saul and Mike are stuck out in the desert and somehow, somehow survives it. No, just just end it now. I'm, I'm, I'm good. That episode, and where this week gets a little off track, but that episode was so distressing. <laughs> and part of what I love about Better Call Saul is like it's a prequel show. Yes. I presume everyone knows this. This is wild spoilers, right? Right. So, like, it's a prequel show. You you know, because Breaking Bad exists, that they do not die. And yet I'm sitting there the whole time being like, oh, my God, are they going to die? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's just, it's just so, oh, my God, it's so stressful. Oh. Anyway, yeah, we're going to talk about Breaking Bad. Ozymandias in the latter part of the pod here today. As, first, yes. uh, as always, we're going to you know talk about some recent news and and so on and so forth we are recording a day later than usual for what it's worth uh, regular listeners apologies so it's wednesday it's october 11th uh what's caught your eye this week right well something that's interesting is we continue to look at um these one strike that's ended one strike that's ongoing sag sag after strike continues um lots of shows are coming back but a show we've talked about in the past few weeks may not be coming back this uh News has popped up that uh, Drew Barrymore writers don't have any interest in in returning right now after this whole thing where she said she was going to continue without without her her writers. Is this just just uh, getting her karma, getting what she deserves? I mean, it's you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, it's, if you're going to scab, this this is nothing compared to the labor movement a hundred years ago, you right. know. But uh, yeah, it was uh, striking to me. I, I don't know if I'd say I was surprised because of how all of that went. You know that. She was going to bring the show back without her writers. They took offense to that. You know, that makes sense to me, you know? And so even though she did reverse course that now when the strike's over, they don't want to work for her anymore. Makes sense. I mean, I think the show's coming back. I don't, you know, at this point, if they hire other writers, those writers aren't scabs. You know, if they follow the kind of plan they were going to do before where they like don't have writers, whatever that means. You know, I'm pretty sure it's going to come back. But yeah, that way it was striking to me that it was like, oh, the strike's over. Like, oh, guys, come back to work. They go, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I certainly I do feel for them and empathize with their situation. They clearly want to get back to work and get back to their their job. But this is probably, a, you know, a nice leverage point for them. If they say we're not coming back to work for this person that wanted to do it without us, they can hopefully parlay, parlay that into into something else and of course you know we're we're all pro writers on, uh, on this side of the table yeah you know absolutely so i hope they find work elsewhere and then i presume that's what they're saying is we're, we're just going to pursue other opportunities from it. yeah um the sag aftra and amt 
PTP, as I understand it, have been holding pretty regular meetings, but absolutely nothing coming out so far in terms of yeah. um, there being uh, progress, other than the fact that they keep meeting. Yes, like that's a positive do. side. You know, there was at one point with the writer's strike where they met in early August and then like they didn't meet again. Right. For six almost, weeks almost or something. At a daily point now, I think maybe yesterday was a Tuesday was a we're splitting up into our sides, sort of review the materials that have been brought to the table. We'll discuss some of the points that have been brought in, but it's been in an almost every day for, for a good a good while now. Yeah, for at least like a week, week and a half. I think they started, you know, on the second or something like that, maybe. So that's encouraging. Hopefully they're hashing it out. Uh, In the meantime, um, Saturday Night Live is going to come back, which I didn't realize, but I guess they can manage to do that because it's under the network code and because the writer strikes over. Yeah, so, I mean, clearly, yeah, the writers can come back. I I was curious about this. That's all that Pete Davidson is going to be the host. No, Pete clearly is a former cast member of Saturday Night Live. Now, he's also moved almost primarily into acting. So I don't know what exactly his, if he's in an exempt position, if, you know, what this, you know, how the code follows follows on this. But uh, he, he's in a nebula position here being able to host, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine because it's, it's under a different agreement with game shows and talk shows and like actors are allowed to do this they're not allowed to promote their work though so i think that would still hold here they're not allowed to promote struck work which at various points i've wondered is there a a more precise definition of what's what anyway like is struck work just stuff you would be making right now or you know (laughs) things you made 20 years ago or maybe there's an answer that i just never really found anyway i've been understanding so snl can come back but they can't promote yeah things and that goes still uh and of course the production of other films tv shows and so on still no actors you know yeah. so uh, yeah and there seems to be quite a bit of that we're, we're getting a lot of news i've seen that of premiere dates shows moved shows relocated um you know this is just you know in, in my world that i'm paying attention to Marvel Television is completely reshuffling not only dates of their shows, but how they do them and the structure which they're going to put them together and how often they're going to do them. So now that the at least the writers can get back to work, we're starting to get a lot of this feedback on what's what's going to happen. Yeah, that was kind of interesting. I saw this today, so we, we, you know, um, but that Marvel, as I understood it, they're basically saying, oh, this is kind of funny, because they, but they're basically saying like, you know, we're going to shift plans and we're going to start making TV like it's TV. <laughs> it was just like, what were you doing before? You know, I mean, I know they're they were like we're, they were doing it like it was a limited series, like like it was a film, and we'll like take care of stuff in post production, and like like they had to somehow learn the hard way that TV is different, and now they're shifting to what just just like the standard kind of TV production model, as I understand it. Yeah, so, I, I got some advice for Marvel. Just just make well written good TV shows. That that's my advice. Just uh just, well, I mean, if they set out <laughs> if they set out to make TV shows instead of making segmented films, maybe <laughs> yeah. that'll help them. You know, exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, what else? Uh, you see this thing Jerry Seinfeld said uh, during one of his acts, like there's a surprise. Yeah, the most cryptic message I've ever seen. I mean, not just out of Jerry Seinfeld, but about a episodes some sort of yes surprise unknown unseen secret about the finale yeah, he's gonna i've got a secret <laughs> now i saw something today 
that unfortunately I think might be on the right track, speculating that there's a good chance that this is going to be a Super Bowl commercial. Ah, uh, of course it is. Of course it is. And it, once I read that, I thought, oh, that's probably... Well, see, probably we've already right. got that. I, I just yesterday saw Jason Alexander on a commercial talking about something, yada, yada, yada. So, I mean, that's that that, that, that that's disappointing if that's what yeah. it is. But you're probably right. It's, it's probably... That probably lands. I think I, think I read that in IndieWire, so I don't want to take personal credit for it. But... Uh, um, and, you know, they did already do something of a Seinfeld reunion on Grab Your Enthusiasm, which was kind of cool. Yes, 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 yes. So I don't know. If they were to actually revive Seinfeld and pick up after the finale, I don't know how I feel about that. I'd definitely watch it. I think the finale is very good. Yes. <laughs> there and say that. Yes. Like, I will defend it. But, like, I don't know, man. Um, Prison Break or something? It could be kind of funny. <laughs> Are there some shows, maybe Seinfeld, maybe the one we're talking about today, and this could segue into something else we saw this week, that are, are just, they're locked down. They are set in stone. There just would be no feasible way to to sequel them, to reboot them, to, you know, I, I guess I consider Seinfeld and the show we're going to talk about today maybe in, in that category. Yeah. I mean, look, you could do it. You could say hey, we're just going to, like, reboot, revive Seinfeld. And, right. But, like, they got out of jail a while ago, guys. Like, how long <laughs> do you think you're in jail for breaking these good Samaritan laws? It's not 25 years, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if they said how long they were sentenced to. But anyway, you know, uh, don't, don't do that. And I don't know, man. It probably it's a Super Bowl ad, and I don't need that. Yeah. Um, well, how about how about a Walt Jr. Breaking Bad? You interested in that? Because that, that, that circulated this week. Right, because so there was an interview. I, I believe it was the original interviews in Variety. I'll put the link in the in the show notes with uh, Vince Gilligan, and uh, you know he was asked this. Vince Gilligan's not into the idea. I started wondering, are there people out there clamoring for this? You know, and so I had like, never considered it. I me, me neither. So I figured like my best shot at finding people who are begging for uh, Walt Junior spinoff is the Breaking Bad subreddit. Mm, yeah. So I went there. No. <laughs> they, they, they're not into it. Like, you find a couple of things, people are like, no. Yeah. yeah. So um, I think we're all on the same page there. I think if you're thinking about it a little bit, I mean, Gilligan said uh, it would be it'd be too depressing or, yes. you know, potentially the wrong lesson. It's like, again, I, I don't know what you would do. Personally, if somehow this, because he did say in the interview, hey, if my next project, he's working on this sci-fi show with Ray Seedhorn, mm-hmm. which I'm sort of looking forward to. I don't think it's named yet. Um, he did say something like, if my next couple projects totally fail, like maybe <laughs> I'll go back to that well. Um, so if there's any chance of it at all, I guess what I would say to Vince Gilligan is let's let's just pick up with it and like have it be very uh kind of boring. Like, no, Walt Jr. is not involved in crime or anything. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. Walt Jr. is now a, you know, 30-something, and this is what his life is like in the aftermath yeah. of this trauma. Yeah. You know, like, that, that, that's the only thing you can do that would be, like, kind of respectable in my mind. I, I, I would agree with that. I, 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 and I think Gilligan touched on this. Don't want to do that to the character, right? With no spoilers about the show or anything. I just don't want to do that to the, to the character. He's very endearing. Yeah, right. 
But I mean, it is, I, I think part of why it comes up is it is kind of one of the only semi-open questions, you know, yeah, what, yeah. what exactly happens to Walt Jr. Is what, what exactly happens to Skyler? Yep. Um, what happens to Holly? Let's give Holly a spinoff. <laughs> there, there you go. Holly <laughs> finds the Michael Myers mask of her father and decides to go into the business. And yeah, yeah, not, yeah. Yet. not yet. Give it another, <laughs> give it another 10 years. She needs yeah. to be like 20. Right. Yeah. Oh, um, boy. <laughs> yeah. Other older TV news, even even older, we hit on this before with Moonlighting, but I wanted to mention one Moonlighting did come to Hulu yesterday. Yeah. Uh, and I was reading that uh, it includes some scenes and such that have been thought to be lost, um, which is very cool. Like, there was a DVD release, but yes. the DVD release has been out of print. But also, the DVD release didn't have a couple of these cold opens. I see. Um, and there's still issues with the music. But but apparently, from what I was reading, they managed to get like all of the important music in this on Hulu now, which that too wasn't quite the case on the DVD release. As I understand it, I haven't seen the DVD release. I don't remember the original Moonlighting. I'm getting kind of excited to go watch Moonlighting, so probably I will have done that. I, I don't know if I'll, I'll, I'll make some time between this week and next. And... I kind of love that Moonlighting has become uh, one of your passion projects here. I think that uh, maybe a spinoff podcast is in order where you go episode by episode. There's You sure, certainly would be a, a first mover there on, on the Moonlighting rewatch. Yeah, I mean, people are probably doing it. I, I don't know, man. Maybe you haven't encountered this. I have encountered an excitement in the world about the moon, moonlighting being on Hulu. Listen, um, if not, if nothing else, I mean, as we all know, we're not going to get any more Bruce Willis acting, right? Yeah. So anytime that we can have a chance to go back and revisit things we haven't seen that he's done, there's a lot of hours here, apparently. And I'm curious. It's one of those things. It's like a really esteemed show. And I don't know if you've ever done this. I have in the past. Like at one point, I, I thought, I'm going to watch Hill Street Blues. Oh yeah, yeah. I didn't make it very far. <laughs> it wasn't that it was bad; like it was pretty good, but it, it it felt it felt old. The pacing, you know, pacing feels slower. Yeah, uh, in some of these older shows. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, what else on your radar? Thing that caught my eye this week, I guess Brian Cox needs a new project after Succession ended and after that uh, that show has come to its conclusion. So he is now hosting a reality show, um, a James Bond adventure reality show. Have you seen anything ab about this where people are competing in James Bond type adventures and Brian Cox is like the villainous mastermind putting him through all the paces of this this thing? This was kind of kind of caught my eye. Do you see anything about this? I have not. I have seen him on some direct TV commercials. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's been out pitching direct TV. He was actually out one day I mean, giving a pretty impassioned speech at the strikes, I think. I, mean, I, I saw him do this. And so apparently, uh, yeah, no, no more Logan Roy. He is going to host a a reality show putting a, this sort of like, uh, what's that? What's the reality show where they go around the world? The Amazing uh, Race? Amazing race. Yeah. So it's sort of like that on steroids, but they're, you know, doing parkour off of cranes and, you know, blowing up buildings around the world, things like this. So it's sort of, you want to, your chance to drive an Aston Martin and be like James Bond and, and win some, win some money and outsmart Brian Cox. This is your chance. 
I mean, yeah, it could be fun. Yeah, I so. used to watch The Amazing Race. I think it's still airing. I think but so too. I, I yeah. used to, I used to watch it when. <laughs> I mean, man, what, like 20 years ago or something? Yeah. Uh, almost. There was a there was a time that doesn't feel all that long ago in my lifetime when, um, you know, prior to streaming, I'm not sure if we even had cable living in that place I was living at that point around 20 years ago. And so, like, oh, you know, the Amazing Race is watchable. Yeah. You know? And oh, then yeah. Uh, I'm thinking about when I didn't have cable. And we used to watch reruns of like Seinfeld and King of the Hill at 10 p.m. <laughs> you know? And, and uh, what what else? Uh, who was that guy on PBS? This is the kind of set anyway, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It sounds kind of cool. Maybe well, this is, uh, 007 colon Road to a Million, hosted by Brian Cox on Prime Video, coming out in, in November if you're if you're at all interested. Well, yeah, I mean, I hope that they like have little little gadgets. Yeah, that, uh, yeah. Know, and to like put, solve put a laser and with a the watch, little gadgets. Yeah. You know, yeah, <laughs> it could be, be kind of cool. That's all. That's all on, on my end. We've there's there's quite a bit of news going on. I guess we'll we'll check in as soon as you know can next week with with the strikes and everything else happening. Yeah, sounds good. Um, and on what we've been watching, I don't have all that much that's new. I said the changelings wrapping up uh, on Friday. I I know that I've been all over the place on this show. <laughs> kind of, I I I can't recommend it ultimately i but it's i i think that i know that some people really like it because i've seen them saying so on social media and yeah. on the internet and, and publishing you know glowing reviews and stuff like that so perhaps it's just not for me um i will say this this is very this is mild spoiler territory but it comes out on friday you know this is we're right up against it um, this is not a limited series. Oh, okay. Okay. It was, I feel like it was billed as a limited series. I finished the finale, or even while I was watching the finale, I was like, wait a minute. This is they want more of show. It, it's oh, like, it's it's obvious. And and like that's fine. I just think it's weird that I I I found myself checking my sanity and doing a little Googling. And <laughs> yeah, I, I saw. I saw some things referring to it as a limited series. So I don't know if they're stretching that definition now. Yeah. To like it's a limited series. We have two two planned seasons. I don't know. I thought limited series meant one season and done. You know, yeah, like exactly. I, I, I just assume now with all new shows, especially with streaming, that every every new entry that we see is a one season limited series, unless we hear otherwise. But yeah, I had not I've not seen anything about it moving on beyond one. Well, but then some people said it. You know, it, I don't know. I feel like it infected my viewing experience to some degree. Ah, uh, okay. That's why I feel like it's almost like an anti-spoiler if people haven't watched it at all. If it's out there and you think, like, I think that my expectation that everything was going to wrap up in these eight episodes yeah, may have tainted a little bit my enjoyment where, I mean, because it's just, it's totally doesn't. This isn't yeah. one of those things where it's like, Oh well, they can they wrap things up. You can see how they left the door open for more. No, this is like an incomplete story, <laughs> and, and and I don't know. I was just I, I'm a little frustrated by it, yeah. but the tone of it, the show didn't quite land for me. I guess, but yeah, I keep wanting to say maybe that's just me in, in a way, you know. So like, 
if you're interested in a, a relatively slow sort of um, fantasy fairy tale that often feels more like a poem than a story, like if, if that sounds good to you, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what this is. I mean, personally, it sounds like it would put me to sleep, but uh, each yeah. their own. Yeah, I think I told you after I saw the first episode, it's going to fall into a binge of ever have time bucket, and we'll we'll see if we ever we ever get there. Right on. Yeah, yeah. So on my end, we had the first episode of Loki last week. I have a recap up on the side about that. Next episode coming out Thursday night, and I'll be recapping each of the six episodes. I found it to be. Quite good. Loki sort of stands alone as as one of the really good entries of the MCU television uh, library we have so far. We referenced that there is going to be a huge upheaval with with MCU television going forward, especially in this Daredevil show and all the things that they have going forward. But this one, the first season, was very well done, very creative, very poignant, um, had some real themes beyond just let's connect everything else. Um, and I thought in the first episode, they made some smart decisions of how they connected things, how they brought back some stories from the first season and how they didn't try to introduce us to too much, but tried to really just sort of set the stage for what might be a, a, not a capsule show, but something where we're not trying to expand the concept of the multiverse. We're actually trying to, to rein things in a, a little bit, right? We'll, we'll save that big stuff for the movie, but I found that first episode to be quite good. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I haven't watched it, but yeah, I mean, I've gathered and I read your recap, you know, I've gathered. I mean, it's interesting because this was or is very much in the multiverse. Like, wasn't the first season of Loki what kind of opened that? Yeah, the first season of Loki, particularly the finale, was almost seen as the point that, for lack of a better term, blew open the doors of of the multiverse. Um, but some of the decisions, and if you know, I don't want to say anything about this episode if people haven't seen it, but some of the, the decisions they make of how they could have gone with that, I think were were smartly done in a way to keep a little bit more insulated and 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 keep it away from some of the real criticism that things like Spider-Man No Way Home and Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness have seen. Um it it, it it I have faith that they're gonna they're gonna do a good job with this season. Well, cool. um, cool. uh, and then my 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 stress relief show is back, my friend. This is the yeah. show I I watched, but I'm like, I need something to just calm down. So if anyone else out there watches the Great British Baking Show, this is like my sit and relax and watch people with um with, with British accents make make good food. So it's it, it's it, it's a calming thing for me. It's like a it's like a glass of cup of hot tea for me. I, I can see that. I think a lot of people like the show. No, I yeah, I haven't checked it out, but right in line with what you're saying, I can imagine how it's uh, <laughs> calming or something like this. Uh, yeah, so I, I watched cool. the first episode. I have there's two episodes out so far. I watched the first one, and I invited my wife and son to watch watch with me. And they're like, "Oh my gosh, the place where they do this is so beautiful." You know, they're out in a tent on the English countryside, and they have you know these these really quaint, sort of rustic sort of settings, and and so it's it's more than just like chaotic cooking in a kitchen they, they make it so that you sort of you're you're calm and you're relaxed and you there's a little bit of british humor mixed in everything so it, it's it's one of my you know i need to wind down shows it really it really uh puts me in that kind of mood awesome <clears throat> love it love it <clears throat> good deal man well so let's let's get to breaking down <laughs> 
Yeah. Yes, sir. Um, so as per usual, what we're going to do is we'll take a short little break, like 10 seconds of music kind of thing. Uh, on the other side of that, we are going to dig into Breaking Bad Season 5, Episode 14, Ozymandias, which there's only, I think there are two episodes after this. So we're like yes. right at the end of Breaking Bad. <laughs> yes. Spoilers on the table for all of Breaking Bad. Um <clears throat> I don't know. There might be some mild chance there's a better call uh, Saul spoiler that happens. I Just, think there's a good chance there's some you know, Saul spoilers in there. Yeah, yeah. I was like mentioned that. So um, you know, hopefully you've seen both shows. So if not, uh, beware. If you want to listen anyway, uh, feel free. Right. Um, <laughs> but you know, some it goes down in this episode. Yeah, like, I yes, think that's it does. Part of why Ryan shows us one. There's a lot of stuff in here where, um, yeah. So, uh, okay, uh, again, take about 10 seconds and we'll pick up on the other side. Okay, we are back looking at my second entry and our greatest episodes and our Mount Rushmore of episodes. This episode I chose for today was episode 14, season five of Breaking Bad, Ozymandias. Um, this is no surprise to people that like to peruse top episodes of television ever lists online. This is on, on a lot of them, and it certainly has, has been on mine for for quite some time. Um, I'll give a quick synopsis of this, um, sort of an intro to maybe my exposure to to this and to this show and let's let's discuss it so ozymandias picks up right where episode 13 left off where there is a shootout happening in the desert between hank and agent gomez the dea agents um and jack and his his um aryan group that um have been hired previously by walt to carry out some some in prison killings, they've been hired before to carry out some um, some drug manufacturing and, and distribution. But what happens is Walt begs Jack not to kill Hank. He even offers Jack all eighty million of his money in exchange for Hank's life. Does not work. Jack executes Hank, takes all the money except for one barrel, which he leaves for Walt. Um, and then they take Jesse hostage here because Jesse has been informing the DEA about what's been going on. They forced Jesse to help Todd cook meth um, under the the fear of his girlfriend and the girlfriend's son um, could be harmed if he does not. And then we see back at, uh, you know, back in Albuquerque that Marie and Skyler believe that Walt has been arrested because Hank had called them in the previous episode. Uh, that turns out to not end up being being what happens. Um, Skyler, when she sees Walt, attacks him. Walt Jr. defends his mom. They call the police on Walt, and Walt takes Holly. He runs away with her, their baby girl. Um, later on, sort of has this, I don't know, this this emotion change, this, this change of heart, and calls them um, very personal reason, knowing that the police are listening in, takes full responsibility for everything, and leaves Holly to go off and be to live a new life with the vacuum cleaner uh, repairman who can get him into a into a new place. So this sort of sets up, as you said, the last two episodes of the series, which um, while full of a, a lot of action and drama, may not necessarily match the the action that happens here. 
Um, th this is in terms of drama, action, emotion, really sort of runs the gambit of all of these things. Um, my experience with this is I was not all in on Breaking Bad from the beginning, but realized how many people were watching it, how many people had said what a good show it was. And so I literally binged the whole thing through this episode. And this was the episode that I caught up with in real time when it first oh. aired. And so it was a good point to say, oh my gosh, now there are two episodes left. I was able to watch those with the rest of the world. Um, and so maybe that certainly had some impact on me in ter terms of what I felt about this episode, but boy, there is a lot here and it is, uh, I mean, a culmination of what this entire five seasons of the show is. Yeah, man. Breaking Bad binge is intense. Yes. Um, I think I got into it maybe two seasons were out or something like that. It's funny because I, I, I'm pretty sure I started watching it, um, on DVD by mail. From Netflix. <laughs> the Netflix model, yeah. Um, Netflix really helped the show, honestly. It yeah. really took off with streaming and um, wherever that's worth. But yeah, it's, it's striking to me, you know, one of the things you noted, and uh, we mentioned the Vince Gilligan interview earlier, uh, it was the 10th anniversary of the finale very recently uh, on September 29th. And um, so it was kind of striking to me in the context of talking about this episode that it's been 10 years since I've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I've been meaning to revisit Breaking Bad um, pretty much since Better Call Saul ended, mm -hmm. you know, and and I kind of do still want to do that when Better Call Saul still feels fresh because I think it'd be interesting to go in that direction. Um, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, it's a great episode. One thing that did kind of, occur to me personally just jumping in and watching this episode mm -hmm. not in the middle of a full rewatch or anything like that again it's been 10 years um is taking it out of context i don't know how to put this exactly i think it was way more striking in context mm -hmm. of being in the midst of um the story you know, having just seen the previous episode or yeah. in my instance, I think it had been a week since I'd seen the previous episode, but that's still, you know, that's just yeah. how TV works. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, because, I mean, almost that too was, I kind of remember that, you know, because you're hanging there yeah. for a week, you've already got the setup out there in the desert, basically. Um, and you can kind of see where that's gonna go you yeah know, yeah probably it's, um, it's going it's going to go badly because we know what show we're watching yeah which which is interesting so, so i don't let me know. Just, I mean yeah, yeah let me com comment on that just because this sh this sort of um exercise and preparing for this and the and the fact you mentioned this is the 10th anniversary of the finale this week actually is also the 12th anniversary of face off the last episode of season four um, it inspired me. So what I did was I started with face off and I went through the end of the series. Oh, yeah. Right? So got okay. some of the context, which I th I think now hearing you say that, you're exactly right. There are some unbelievably powerful things that happen leading into this episode and right after this episode. Right. I mean, obviously you're, we're, we're left with this sort of thing where Holly's been kidnapped and he's, he's left her with, you know, with a, with a fire station. So you just have these things that build on either side of it. 
Um, I, I'm frankly not surprised to hear you say that. Yeah, just sort of out of context, there probably would be more that we could have to it if it was if it was in. Because just watching that last season just reminded me how powerful this episode was. Yeah, well, it's interesting because I mean, I have the context. You know, yeah. like I see the show. I mean, I remember the context. Yeah. You know, but in terms of the viewing experience, it seemed. Uh, I mean, all of this, so much of this is so intense, but it's almost just taking just this episode, it almost felt to me like, I don't quite want to say cartoonish, but it just feels mm. so overblown. Like, mm. it, it just feels so, uh, Walt feels so evil to me watching <laughs> this episode. Just so, and 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 I mean, what the show is about in terms of breaking dad about his more like moral degradation you know yeah um but anyway i mean it's a great episode i, I did want to mention the poem um yeah let's let's talk about the poem yeah i think maybe i want to read the poem it's pretty short yeah uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with the poem or uh people listening uh per uh percy percy shelley um you know and i I don't know. I guess that people know this, but but here's the poem because I was looking back at it as we were preparing, and uh, I don't know. It's just it's always striking me to think about this episode and this poem and the fact they made mm-hmm. it this. So I'm going to go ahead and read it. Okay. I met a traveler from an antique land who said, two vast and trunkless legs of stone stand in the desert. Near them, on the sand, half sunk, a shattered visage lies." whose frown and wrinkled lip and sneer of cold command tell that its sculptor well those passions read, which yet survive, stamped on these lifeless things, the hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. And on the pedestal, these words appear. My name is Ozymandias, king of kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty, and despair. Nothing beside remains, round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level sands stretch far away. It almost feels too on the nose to me. (laughs) You you wonder, did he read this before creating the entire show? Yeah, like, does this inspire the episode? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. seriously, it's not just, uh, I mean, and I think the setting yeah. with the sand and everything is feeding into yeah. that as well. Does it even inspire the entire series, right? A man right. who becomes, thanks to what he sees are all his mighty works, becoming a king, someone who is on top of everything and every bit of this, this industry that he is, uh, th- that he is working in. And yet, all around him towards the end of this is just nothing, just sand. It's sort of, there's the imagery of being laid waste as sort of who dies there in the desert with him, but also this, he's completely alone in this, in this area that really can provide him nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's striking. I mean, the turn, I know one of the things that you were pointed out in our notes here is about his offer to um, give them the money and um, to kind of jump to that. I mean, or to feed that into something a little bit broader in my mind. Um, the turn, the turns that Walt takes are kind of interesting. You know, he's begging for um, Hank's life because Hank is family. And I think part of your question is how much does he mean that? We should talk yeah. about that. And then 
uh, well, it doesn't go that way, yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, and but then uh, I'm sorry. What's the what's the um, guy's name again? What's the um, Jack? Jack. Yeah. Um, they load up. You know. Well, first he figures out like, hey man, you didn't give me normal directions. You gave me GPS <laughs> coordinates to come right. here. Let's go find that and 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 dig. You know. Yep. So they find the money. And so he loads up all the money, but then he's going to leave Walt a barrel and is like insisting that um, Walt say that they're good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But it, but at that point, Walt, Walt says, no, you owe me the death of Jesse Pinkman. Mm-hmm. Which, which is going is, to come, which is going to come back in a big way two episodes later. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everything happens, and then yeah, and then also El Camino, you know, um, which I don't know if we want to throw that in here at all um, as we move forward. But it's a striking turn because it's like then the level of spite mm. that he has for Jesse, which I, I mean, I get Jesse has been collaborating yeah. with DEA. He's like he's wrecked the whole thing, I guess, yeah. from from Walt's point of view. Um, Maybe he's even turning at this point to think that Jesse is responsible for Hank dying. Yeah. I don't know yep. if it, well, psychology is part of what we're getting into here. Yeah. Um, but part of what's striking to me is, yeah, he makes the offer to give the money to save Hank's life, but then has, there's like hardly any or, or maybe no space where Walt is devastated by what's happened before it turns to um you gotta kill Jesse. Yeah, it you know we're sort of left with this period of the sh- of the of the episode that's not, I mean for clear reasons it's not there, where it must have taken them a long time to dig up seven barrels of cash and get it out of the ground, right? And when they get done and we see them loading them on the truck, Walt is still sort of laying in the sand. So he's sort of been staring at Hank for hours, I guess, you know, just sort of um, not only trying to come to grips with how this happened, but really, what am I going, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. And so, yeah, his first thing when they pull him up and try to say, are we good? You know, we're leaving you money. Are you, are, are you good? Is he wants to confront Jesse. He wants to tell Jesse, remember what I, what happened to Jane? I could have prevented that. I, yeah. I watched that happen. And so his immediate reaction to that is, is, yeah, Jesse, all this could have been avoided because of you. So let me make sure, you know, if they take you off and are about, are about to kill you, that you understand that I'm still on top. I'm still the one that's that's running these things. No, yeah, that's a good point. You know, so he's, he has sort of sat with it for a while, if you think about it, realistic terms. And then, you know, I think what I kind of suggested, what you suggested, I think this is where we're landing, right? That yeah. uh, in, in Walt's mind, he does come around to blaming Jesse for... For everything including hank's death yeah um and he can't understand why jesse can't see that what he did to brock was just all part of the plan to to keep them safe to keep them out of harm to keep them you know in a position where they could continue doing what they're doing and thinks that jesse should just overlook that and for, forgive him i guess yeah like kids okay yeah, get over it, kind of thing, or something. I don't remember the details of that. That whole thing with Brock actually was like the biggest thing that bugged me about Breaking Bad because it's like 
they never showed while doing it. And I, I, I continue to struggle with the belief that he could have done it. Like not morally, Mm-hmm. Practically, you Practically. know, I, I kept having this feeling like, well, I didn't show that because they couldn't figure out how. Yeah, yeah I don't, I don't know. So it's anyhow that that, that that's <laughs> not you're, there in a way. You're, you're jumping into one of my issues with the finale is how did he get a a sealed pack of stevia with ricin in it in in uh in a spot where Lydia was going to pick it up and use it in her her tea? But anyway, we're uh, yeah. that's an Well, I mean, it does, and this is this is, I guess, part of what I was saying about watching it out of context and how it landed for me um maybe it felt a little less realistic if if that's fair you know mm-hmm. it's just it's overblown you know yeah. and i think that's fine and that's what this show is but there are there are multiple moments in breaking bad where yeah. it really engages in something that is larger than life um and i don't necessarily mean in a way that lands well for me you know yeah yeah but I, I I always say like fine, you know, <laughs> like the, the, I mean I don't know maybe this is just me and now I'm like ranting about Breaking Bad things, but like the the, the twins they always kind of just like yeah. really they they don't talk and yeah. okay you know anyhow <laughs> I, I, everyone listening I love Breaking Bad I think it's great I think it's an all time great show I think it's all time great episode and so these are like you know in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, minor quibbles that I that I have with the show. Um, and then we have Todd. What's that? Oh, Todd. 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 Yeah. So Jesse Jesse Plemons in a fantastic role. Todd. Yeah. Todd, Jesse. I mean, Jesse Plemons. I think is a really good actor. Fantastic. And I've seen yeah. him in various things where he's been really, really good, and I still always think that's Todd. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that and my first introduction, it is always what I think of when I when I see him. Every other role he has ever played that I've seen him, he has to first overcome being Todd. <laughs> and it, the the credit I want to give to Jesse Clemens is he always has done it. Yeah, he's he's yeah. always managed to suck me in and get me to like forget about him being Todd. Um, Todd is what I think is really makes El Camino stand up as a film. Mm-hmm. Um. Of course, the moment before this where when he kills the kid always comes to mind. Yeah. And what we see of him here is cold demeanor. And it's like he's the one who says, Hey, maybe, hey, Uncle Jack, maybe we shouldn't kill Jesse. Yeah. You yeah. know, not right now. We should we should see what else he knows. It know? is it is a really interesting mix of sort of baby-faced awe shuckness you know when he's around certain people like lydia and around around walt combined with this sort of cold-blooded calculating it's like yeah i'll I'll shoot a kid at a moment's notice just to make sure that you know there are no witnesses to what can we use out of jesse even to the point of you know we will gun down his girlfriend in front of him to make sure that he keeps keeps cooking for us i mean it's just sort of this mm-hmm. weird dichotomy of how he can be both of those things it just it, I just thought he's fantastic in this last this last season. Yeah, he's really good. It, it's it's like his demeanor is that he's a nice guy, but he's also a sociopath. Yes. <laughs> like he's an utter like um <laughs> and so yeah, that's a what else we got here. So, I, so let, know, me, let me ask you about ahead. the you referenced the 80 million and he offers right. it to, to right. save right. him, takes life. Um 
Jesse and Hank and Steve Gomez were hitting a huge brick wall because they couldn't catch Walt. They couldn't find any evidence. They couldn't ever get out ahead of him. And so they were scrambling, trying to find something. Um, and so they trick him by sending him this photo of Jesse sending a photo saying, look what I found. And it's a photo of a barrel in the sand with money in it. And so Walt speeds out to where he's buried his money to make sure no one is taking it. And they follow him. They track his phone. That's how they, that's how they end up um, getting him in. And what leads to this whole, this whole disaster. Is this the only mistake that Walt makes? It always just seems like he is nine steps ahead of everybody. Is it just greed that's, that's caused this to, to happen? Because, Walt just never seems to be this um, haphazard, this sort of let me just run. But it is, I think, just a sense of he realized, realizing toward the end here that he only did this for money. He didn't do this for family. He didn't do this for He did this for money. And, and that was it. And that just sort of caught me as I rewatched this, that he was just so quick to react to a photo from Jesse that he was just completely driven by making sure no one took that 80 million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, I mean, it's definitely true that throughout the series, you have Walt's kind of thinking three steps ahead for the most yeah. part, and so on. Um, you know, I, I think it. I think it makes enough sense, at least. Yeah. You know, um, maybe he's being impulsive, um, but as you say, like he experiences this threat to um, the money that he's earned. Yeah. That you know, and. Uh, you know, kind of speaking in Walt's voice there a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, maybe he doesn't think it through. I mean, I think you have yeah. a good point. Yeah. Because it's like, if you thought it through, well, there's two possibilities, right? Possibility one is that they really are at the spot where you buried your money. Right. Are you going to drive out there? That doesn't seem like the best plan. Yeah, <laughs> I know. know? <laughs> um, and like, possibility two is that they aren't. Yeah, you know. And so either way, either way, why would you do it? Either way, driving out there on reflection um, is uh, is not the right plan. But when does you rewatch this in context? At what point does he call up Jack? Though, does he call up Jack when he's on his way out there, or when he realizes remember. that he gets out there and there's no one there, he understands that they've tricked him. And so he knows or he understands then that he believes that the DEA is coming. So he calls Jack as backup. You know, basically, you owe me for the Jesse Pinkman thing. You haven't done it. You need to come do this mm -hmm. instead. And so he gets them out there for that um, for that reason, even though once he sees Hank show up, he tells them on the phone, don't come. It's off. Don't don't come out here they come anyway of course yeah well um this is the thing, but yeah, yeah it's <laughs> so I mean, this is the thing it's just i mean this is i think it's important to read this whatever you think of the plausibility um you know thematically part of the point here is walt did this right walt brought this on himself look yes. upon your own works yes and despair yes. if you like um <laughs> and they, and because by calling jack he does sort of win, but it means Hank dies. And so I don't know. I mean, yeah. is it in character for him to offer the money? Like, there, I think there are two possibilities. You know, one, which also wouldn't be super rational on Walt's part, 
is for him to think that, well, somehow if I can get them to agree to take the money, I can then turn the tables on them yeah. Um, yeah. before they get away with the money. But there's like multiple guys, you know, yeah. that have guts. So I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> that doesn't um, matter in the finale, though. Well, and he's got like <laughs> schemes. Yeah, he's got to scheme something. Did you know? Do you know this? Um, in that interview, and this will be something I put in the show notes with Vince Gilligan in the recent interview I mentioned. Um, they did not have a plan for the machine gun. Did you know this? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, we know this trope, the Chekhov's gun thing, where you introduce a, a gun, you have to explain why it's there. It's like this is the embodiment of, of that. Yeah. They had no idea what they were going to do with it. It is. I mean, I just can't. The writer's room for this must have been great. And Better Ball saw too. Both, both shows, by the way, I think are wonderfully written. Yeah. But that they would do things like this. <laughs> you know, and, and say, like, you know, what would be cool is like a big machine gun in this truck. Yeah. And then they yeah. figure out later how to pay that off. Yeah. Um, We're going to paint ourselves, write ourselves into this corner <laughs> and figure yeah. out a way out. Yeah. Um, but they, but, they became famous for doing that in Better Call Saul. They consistently set up these things and, and wrote themselves out of it in an effective way, I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that's part of why that show is so great. From yeah. the starting point of, um, well, Breaking Bad exists, yep. you know. I think a lot of prequels bear such a thing in mind too much. Yep. Better Call Saul didn't. They said, well, Breaking Bad exists. Where do we start? Let's start all the way back here. Uh, how do we get to Breaking Bad? We'll figure it out. We don't know. And by, <laughs> the, know? And by the way, mm-hmm. we're also connected to what happens in the future post breaking bad you know that's why that shows <clears throat> oh yeah they doubled down with the gene yeah. stuff too this is the thing man they did not know where all of this was going i know there are fans <laughs> out there in the world who somehow think they had a master plan you know and yeah. it's like just talk to listen to these people yeah. uh, who wrote these shows and they didn't and that's part of what's so impressive yeah you know that they 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 set these tasks for themselves that then had to figure out how to achieve and that they did so so brilliantly yeah let's talk about skylar marie and walt jr <laughs> give me your your power rankings of of performance in this episode Who, who's the best power rankings um i've been writing too much football lately i got power <laughs> i mean of what the performances i i god i don't know I mean, I'm going to go, wait, so if it's power rankings, I should go in like reverse <laughs> order. Right? So I, I guess coming in at number three, um, I'll do Walt Jr. Oh, always yeah. great. Um, and well, no, actually he should be number two. Number three, I'm going to put Marie. I agree. Marie's great, right? But Walt Jr. is going to get in there at number two because I'm now I'm remembering um him reacting to finding yes. out finally this thing you know about his father and everything yeah. and his world cra- just crashing down around him and um then yeah number one skyler i've always been a yeah. skyler defender yeah and in that same piece of vince gilligan you know still to this day he and many others are having to defend skyler you know there were just so many critics of hers and and that performance and that character but yeah I mean, put yourself yeah. in her, her shoes and think about what type of person and character you would be. I think it's a it's a real kind of worry um, that I don't want to put too much weight on because whatever, I love TV and I like Breaking Bad. 
but the the fact that it seems like there are at least some people out in the world who just kept rooting for Walt the whole time through mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is is troubling to me, you know. Um, and I certainly don't think was the intention. The intention yeah. is pretty out there. It's in the name of the show and so on, right? <laughs> Uh, and so it's something I've thought about how we get kind of influenced by the protagonist. Yeah. Because Walt's very much the protagonist of the, this is Walt's story. Absolutely. Right. Breaking Bad is Walt's story. Everyone else is just a character in it. Um, yeah. And, but that, that can influence people to then take that point of view to such an extent. Yeah. It's almost like, I don't know, <laughs> with my philosophy background, part of me starts thinking like, I don't know, man. Maybe Plato was right. You know, kick the play- uh, poets out of the Republic. Like, we're, we're just not mature enough for this. Yeah, you know? I, I, I don't, I don't know. But the we can, the we can so easily be persuaded to root against someone who is trying, even failing, but trying to be a moral compass, like Skyler was, trying to protect the family, like Skyler actually was, and, and doing things with these constantly revealing things that Walt is that Walt has going on um that we just start actively rooting against her because we want this guy who has broke bad to to succeed right the show made us think that or made a lot of people think that yeah I don't know I don't mm-hmm. it's just, I, I want to say I want to say that people who root for Walt all the way through the finale are watching it wrong but I don't know <laughs> if that's fair or if that's the right way to put it I just think that like that's not <laughs> what's going on here and yeah. walt's a really powerful character but as i said a while ago yeah by this point just fully evil you know and it can be really interesting to explore that moral psychology and i think it is um and well let me say one more thing okay. if, if, if if they're out there rooting for walt to win this is him winning yes not more so than the finale. This is him winning. You like? Do you like that? Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like um, Hank dying and all of that, right? Because um, otherwise, he, you know, financially, he's arrested by the DEA and all of that. You hit the point. This is the the crux of it. At this point, either he's going to be arrested by Hank, or mm-hmm. Hank's going to die. Mm-hmm. So if you if you uh, if you want Walt to win, he won. Uh, yes. You know, Hank's dead, and then oh, but these Nazis stole his money, right. so he's got to go like win again. You yeah. know, but anyhow. and I guess that that leads to a question I put in here, which is: Is the Walt of the last two episodes the same Walt from the rest of the? of the series he seems to in this moment in the bathroom when he has holly and holly is crying and once once her mama does he change in that moment because you're right with hank dying jesse getting this this unbelievably terrible thing happening to him that is walt that we know through episode 14 of season five winning and yet he sort of has this change after the end of this this episode. You know, I think we have sort of two versions of of Walt here, um, and I don't know that at the finale, the, the winning for Walt is the same as what it w- would have been in episode fourteen. Yeah, I mean, well, maybe it's this, 
maybe you could point to this as the point where Walt realizes in his own mind um, that he did it for him. Yeah, yeah. He's been telling himself that he did it for his family, perhaps all the way through to this. Yeah. And he realizes in that bathroom. Yeah. See, this is the thing. He's pure evil. It's not that he looks at the baby and goes, I feel bad for this baby. This baby wants his mommy. No, he thinks, what am I going to do with a baby? Yeah, right? I, I have thought very much about the two sides of that coin. It's sort of how do you view that? Yes. Like, here I am. I'm changing diapers. I'm about to call the disappearer man. What, like, what, I, I, this is, this is a problem to have this baby. Yeah. And so he ditches the baby, you know? Um, and I think maybe that this is the point where he kind of realizes that what he tried to tell himself about how he did it for his family is wrong. He did it yeah. for him himself and to succeed right yeah yeah um and so even then if we think about what happens after this and i'm working from like a 10 year old memory here so tell me if i'm getting anything wrong but he goes to new hampshire right Mm -hmm. and then he he sees stuff on the news um uh uh, particularly with uh, Gretchen and and what's his name, right? Isn't that primarily? Yeah. So he he is desperately trying to find a way to get some money to his kids. He hasn't been able to do that. Right. He has this one barrel of money left, so he goes, breaks out of his you know isolation in the house there, walks into town so he can mail a box of money to his kids. And while he's at a bar there, he sees this interview on Charlie Rose with um with Gretchen that it was the couple there that started the gray matter company with him. And they, it talks about that. They talk in an interview about how they're funding this sort of drug rehabilitation in the Southwest, how the man that they knew who was so kind and sweet before is this monster. Now they have no idea who he is. Um, And so that not only triggers for him, what he can do next, how he can use them, but also that um, he's got unfinished unfinished business to take care of. Yeah. And I think that that's, there's a through line there. I want to say something about hubris. Hubris is the term I've been trying to work in. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I think that it's ultimately Walt's hubris that's coming onto full display. And just like with the ancient Greeks, that means it's a downfall, right? I mean, so even if you're looking at the very finale of the show, maybe to some degree you could argue that he quote unquote wins because it comes back with the machine gun and all of that, but he dies, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know. He's caught up in the, the in the thing, and and everything going back to the gray matter motivation. Yeah, because this is the thing. Go back to season one. Ask them for money. Yeah, exactly. Accept their hope. You've got yeah. cancer. These these erstwhile friends of yours will help you. Yeah. You know? But and he's too, too much hubris to do that. No, he can't swallow his pride yeah. to do that. You know? Um, and he, he can't do that then. And in the finale, when he shows up at their house and gives them the $10 million or whatever it is, he tells them, if you have, if there are taxes, legal fees, anything that has to be paid because of you setting up that trust, do not use one dime of your own money. It comes out of this. Like you will not help my family because I have helped my family, and that, that's essentially what it's you know yeah. who he was to the end. Yeah, that put a sound to it. 
and I know we we veered now into talking about the finale of Breaking Bad, mm-hmm. but um, what do you think? To raise one more question about that, what do you think about him letting Jesse go at the end of the finale? I I, I think it's a it's all wrapped up into the idea that he understands that he did this for himself, that he used his family. He used Jesse. Jesse was not a partner to him. Gus was not a partner. Mike was not a partner. He used all of them to benefit what he wanted to do. And so in some way, by setting up the money for his kids, by going to see Skylar, by letting Jesse go free, he's releasing them of, of that burden of who, who he was. And he is understanding that, um, if there's going to be any way that I can possibly try to redeem all that I've done, which I don't know that's what he's trying to do, but if he, he can redeem all that he's done, he has to release them of that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I, how I think about his motivation, but I'm not sure yeah. I have an alternate account. Yeah. You know, other than he does let Jesse go. And I mean, maybe he at that point sees how much Jeffy, Jesse has suffered by that point. Yeah. And it's just like, well, yeah, that was enough. <laughs> yeah. Go live with that. I, I don't yeah. know. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, Je- Jesse is not, I mean, free in a lot of ways. Jesse has the burden of what happened to Andrea, I think is his girlfriend's name, the burden of what happened to all, you know, the body count they left behind and all the things that they've, they've done. You know, he's not free. Obviously, you know, we see the events of the, the movie next, but but yeah, it's, you know, what were Walt's motivations there? Like, instead of us just both dying together, you go live with all that you've done, maybe yeah maybe I, yeah I don't know. shout out to jesse though and el camino which i enjoy if people still haven't watched el camino go, go watch it i don't know how yeah. much we've spoiled it in in the midst here but uh kind of been presuming that people have seen it um pulling it back to ozymandias other things we want to hit on here no i think that's a a great description i mean just looking back on these words again Look on my works, you mighty, mighty in despair. Nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck. I mean, it's just, you know, pretty, pretty on the nose for what what happens here. Not only in this episode, but through the high, entire entire series. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we we never know that this episode was directed by Ryan Johnson. Right? It was. He of later Star Wars, the the uh, no, Star Wars. The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi and Knives Out fame. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of movie fame still to come, but uh, did a couple of Breaking Bad episodes, including this one. Well, and he's done Poker Face, too. Poker Face, that's right. TV yep. Run. Yep. Right. Ryan Johnson's been on my radar since back back in this time. Yeah. He directed Fly. Yep. You know, he directed a few Breaking Bad episodes. It's like... I forgot about he directed The Fly. Right. He's an up-and-comer. And then, then he directed <laughs> the only worthwhile Star Wars sequel. <laughs> <laughs> just throw that out there the last the jj abrams proceeded to ruin yeah the only exactly. the only um one that warrants <laughs> existing in my mind um anyway i'm, I'm trolling people to some degree <laughs> while also expressing my honest opinion for yeah um but all oh, right good please. so what are we uh, gonna do next yeah, next up, another entry for me. Um, I am choosing uh an episode of Twin Peaks. All yeah, right. Press it just a little bit for everyone. Ryan has not seen Twin Peaks unless he's started watching it since I told him we were going to do this episode. Nope. Um, so I have chosen. See, I have to go through the whole thing about the titles <laughs> of these episodes. The originally when they made Twin Peaks, okay, 
David Lynch and Mark Frost called the pilot episode Pilot. Okay, nothing out of the ordinary so far. Right. The show gets picked up. The next next episode they called. They titled the episode Episode One. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and and then the next one is episode two, and so on. Season two oh, finale is episode twenty nine. Okay. Um, I, think I'm, I think I'm following. So, look, part of part of the problem. I just can't avoid talking about this. Is that for those of us who've been into Twin Peaks for some time? Yeah. Like me, this is how I know the episodes. I want to say episode two. I know which episode that is. Mm-hmm. It's this one. But so then they, um, when the show aired in Germany, the German caption company made up titles. Oh boy. Seriously. Um, and those get used. You pull it up on you know Netflix or whatever, and, and that'll be there. And then, of course, also in the age of streaming, they just shove it in the same framework as everything else and call the pilot, you know, S1E1 and then uh, S1E2 and then S1E3. So there's all this confusion okay, about okay. which episode is which. And part of what I hate about this is I feel like, so like those German titles, when they released the show on VHS and then on DVD. Yeah. Not there because they're not official. <laughs> <laughs> so oh boy. it's just a mess. And I hate it because oh. I still want to use the original episode numbering. Okay. And I feel like I'm right about that. But at the same time, I should just give in to all the forces of the world. Because <laughs> you don't even find the original episode numbering on like IMDb. It's just not there. It's not there. So um, let me get this let me get this clear. I am watching the third episode of season one. Yes. Okay. Yes. So you're watching, as I put it. Okay. Episode yeah, two, you, you also me... known as season one, episode three, also known as Zen or the skill to catch a killer. That's the made-up German. Oh boy! Right? Okay. But people use those. People use those, and <laughs> and there's something tempting about using them because you'd be clearer in terms of what episode you're referring to to make sure you know someone's not confused about the numbering. But I don't even know these titles. I have to look. Um, because... I have to look these titles up. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. See, I'm going to be. I know how lost I'm going to be. But what you you at least given me a small gift, which is I want to watch the show anyways. And so you've given me the third episode that ever aired. So it's not going to be too much of a burden before next week before me to watch each of these first first three. So that's going to be my goal. So at least can probably that that probably is the best plan. Yeah, and I will say to everyone listening, I know we've called this our Mount Rushmore's. Of, uh, of episodes but i purposefully picked one towards the beginning <laughs> okay good <laughs> so I, I don't necessarily know that i would go on record saying this is the best episode of twin peaks but it's yeah. in the it's in the conversation okay and it's towards the beginning and, and yeah we'll get i mean it. i'm happy to get on the podcast with you and just hear you monologue for 45 minutes about uh, about the show because I, th- I feel like if i was like to pick up on episode 42 i would have absolutely no concept of what's going on there there's 29 episodes in the first two seasons including the pilot there's 30 episodes in the first two seasons and then there's 18 in season three okay so i guess okay. that's i guess that's 48 
I guess right. I guess right. Okay. All right. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it. I'll get, I'll get three under my belt before we, before we talk next. Cool. Enough rambling about Twin Peaks for today. Uh, more Twin Peaks talk next week. Looking forward to it. Um, as always, thanks everyone for listening. Please, you know, consider leaving us a rating review wherever you're listening to the podcast. Um, you can also find the podcast on the YouTube channel. If you want to find us there, TV Obsessive on YouTube. Um, on social media, give us a search, TV Obsessive on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Blue Sky now, uh, Massivon. And um, all right. I mean, I guess, I guess that uh, about does. Oh, you want to plug your, uh, on, if you're on Twitter, X. I'm Cameron CC. You don't find me there. I don't know how much I'm using Twitter anymore. I have the same <laughs> handle on Blue Sky. If anyone's over on Blue Sky, if I'm on Blue Sky, that's fine. I'm, I might um, I might have to move there. I am at Cable Voxler there on Twitter slash slash X slash Musk, whatever it's called. But I may I mean, move the fact that Sky. they. I mean, we're recording this this past week. They got rid of the headlines on yep. article links, and um. I don't know, man. I run a website where I primarily what I want to do is share our articles on Twitter. That's right. So I, I'm not feeling great about where that place <laughs> is going. But anyway, uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks so much for listening. And we'll be back with you next week. See you next time.